0: back just like i said we'd be back this is for the glory kc where we bring a mix of in-depth kansas city soccer knowledge and a bit of a casual perspective i'm chad smith associate editor at kcsoccerjournal.com who's gonna try to take you a little more in depth and i'm joined as always by my wife no wrestling nickname, sheena smith who gives us that casual perspective sheena what's up
1: hey chad not much how are you
0: well, I'm having a pretty bad Kansas City soccer week, I'm not going to lie. Sporting lost, Sporting KC2 lost, the KC Current lost, uh, and it's our 50th episode, so we're a jinx, I guess, because this oh, is the boy. 50th ever episode, and it's uh, it's been pretty bad since we started our podcast. So,
1: Oh, you're I so dramatic. Blame. Oh my gosh, you're so dramatic.
0: I just do it because I know it drives you nuts. That said, it's not my fault. I didn't sign the players. I didn't coach the team. I didn't play the games. So I'm not on on today's show. Sporting KC blow it in Miami. Gadi Kinda and Israel have a little controversy with Peter Vermees going on here. The Casey Current were dumped out of the Challenge Cup. Boo. And of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But Sheena, we are known on this podcast for nonsense. What nonsense do you have for us this week?
1: I don't really have a lot. I'm pretty exhausted today. I went to the Spinach Festival in Lenexa yesterday, and I guess it took it out of me because I took a nap today. I've been super lazy It's not really my style on the weekends. I try to go, go, go.
0: I can already tell you're going to bring that energy level high (laughs) today. You're like, I'm pretty exhausted. I'm thinking about (laughs) napping during this podcast. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Uh,
1: How's your weekend been? Because you did not go to the spinach festival with me.
0: Well, I was told that if your friends decided to go, which your friends were at our house on Friday night when they mm-hmm. committed, I don't know if you saw me in the background, like, pump my fist, like, yes, I'm out of this. I don't have to go because you told me I wouldn't have to go if they went. So I was uh, happy to not go to the Spanish Festival. Um USA won. So there wasn't all losing this weekend. I had some soccer niceties. I don't know if you saw, Sheena. You just learned that UFC fighter Israel Adesanya is from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, I think I just told you that today. He lost his title. So you're cursed.
1: I don't know how I would be cursed just because I'm a Kiwi at heart. I've exactly. Him. You said
0: those words to me and then he lost. So yeah, it seems okay. probably the thing. All Alrighty. right, y'all. let's just get to the soccer then, since Sheena's got <laughs> so much energy for us here. <laughs> so we'll head down to South Beach and talk about Sporting KC in Miami first. So it was off to a great start. I had high high hopes, as Panica the Disco likes to say. Uh Johnny oh, Russell, boy. he <laughs> Oh boy, that's yeah, this is where this podcast is going. You like music, I'm working it in for you. Johnny okay. Russell, he tried to split three three defenders and then the ball he didn't quite make it past the third guy but the ball landed with Felipe Gutierrez he put a rocket of a shot on Drake Callender the goalkeeper for Miami he spilled said shot Daniel Shallow scored immediately it's like the ninth minute something like that I probably should have looked that up and sporting is ahead I was feeling like yeah Miami they're missing eight players for international duty sporting maybe they'll run over them well how were you feeling early in the match when they scored immediately
1: I was excited that they had scored so early in the game because I just kind of had the mindset that even though there was no Messi, and I don't even think I knew that there was seven other players, or I don't know if Messi makes eight or if Messi made nine, I'm assuming he made eight, but I didn't realize that there was going to be so many players, so early in the game, I was like, okay, we're doing good, because I know they have some pretty good players. I'm assuming those ones were off on international duty. But yeah, I was excited. But I was also kind of like, I feel like if there's ever a time to lose, this would be it. Uh, just because I feel like sporting does really good when they're playing really good teams, and then they play down to really bad teams. And Miami has been historically bad. I don't know if it's historically bad. They've just been bad. I shouldn't throw words in there that I don't know are true.
0: They've been a bad team for most of their history. I think they did make the playoffs, maybe their inaugural season. I can't remember now, but it was, you know, everybody gets in the playoffs. Although Sporting's really putting that theory to test this or that theory to testing that theory. I don't know. Words are hard. Come off to a great start. Somebody complimented us on our linguistic skills last podcast, and now we can't (laughs) use words properly anymore. The pressure, it's too much. Uh, I can't handle it.
1: It is too much. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, I just felt like a sporting plays down to bad teams. And that's kind of as the game progressed, how I was feeling was they weren't playing to their potential. They looked really tired. And I'm sure the humidity played a part in that, but started off good. But all good things, I guess, must come to an end when it comes to sporting.
0: Yeah, I actually wrote that. I previewed the match for KC Soccer Journal, and I said, I feel like this is a game they should win, but those are the ones I feel like they find a way to lose because they do tend to play down to their opponent. Miami is a better team than they were pre all these signings because a lot of the guys, even though Messi was gone and there's eight other guys gone, there were still plenty of new players there. Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Farias. I don't know how you say that guy's name. He scored a goal. Like, they they have a lot of these new signings. Yeah, Yedlin's still there. Yeah, good point. So, dang Greg Berhalter, why didn't you call up DeAndre Yedlin so we could have had their backup right back playing, too? I don't know. <laughs> we'll take what he we was can get.
1: probably confused because he had a new hairstyle.
0: Well, oh, you think that's what it was? Yeah. Uh, he didn't get called up because he looked different, and Greg decided <laughs> not to call him based on that. Okay. Well, there's one hair comment. Take a shot. All right. So yeah. from there, things kind of went off the rails. Uh, Tim Melia ends up giving up a penalty kick not too terribly long after Sporting take the lead. Uh, I, I had this thought, and then I saw a couple of people actually tweeted the same thing, that Melia commits kind of a stupid penalty, right? He doesn't need to come for that ball. He's He's not getting to that ball. And even if... Uh, I can't remember, who, Campagnana, if he pulls the ball down, he's not in a great position to shoot. He's going away from goal, but he gives up a stupid PK. But if Pools Camp would have done that same thing, I was thinking, and this is what other people are saying too, He's to, he goes to the bench. He doesn't play the next game. But Emilia ends up giving up the PK. Then he ends up giving up the actual penalty itself. He let, lets that one in. He's now just 15 of 36 all-time Just, it's only like one of the best marks in MLS history in stopping penalty kicks, but he did not stop this one. And honestly, I thought Timilia was pretty good outside of this moment. He had some really good saves later in the game, a couple plays that were offside that he actually saved, even though it didn't end up mattering. And he stopped one from Robbie Robinson in the 63rd minute that really stood out to me. But what what did you think about the penalty, about my thoughts that Pools Camp would be benched in the same circumstance?
1: Pools Camp definitely would be Bench. If this were him, I think Timilia gets a pass because he's Timilia, and Peter Vermes has all the faith in him. And I agree with you that he did play pretty good outside of that that one major play. But that one major play is the difference between us losing and us tying. So. <sighs> I don't yeah, know three, two
0: final scoreline. Right. So if we don't give up a dumb penalty or don't give up a later stupid goal, which we'll get to in a second, then maybe it's a different result. Let's talk about that second goal real quick. And we'll kind of work our way to the nonsense of the third goal. So second goal, honestly, it just felt a little unlucky to me. People were mad at Daniel Shallowy for not going harder at Daniel, or Daniel, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, who had the ball and ended up crossing it into the box. People were mad at Jake Davis for not winning the header. I kind of thought Danny Rosero just stood there. I watched the replay a couple of times, and he doesn't jump. He doesn't, you know, sometimes just jumping, even if you don't win the ball, puts the attacker off, right? They have to react to you being in the air. I thought Rosero played really well outside of that moment. He broke up a lot of plays. He had a good game. But I thought he could have been better on the second goal. Peter Vermees in the post game presser basically was like, hey, that second goal, that stuff happens in games. He wasn't too upset about it, but he was a lot more upset about the dumb PK and the uh, the third goal. Did you have any thoughts about the the second goal? Do you remember the second goal?
1: Truthfully, I don't, so I have no thoughts on it. But do you think, because now that you're saying that Peter Vermees was more upset by the PK, do you think it's enough to where he might go back to pools Camp or Macintosh? You know,
0: I think that Pools Camp's probably second in charge, even though Macintosh was on the bench. I think that McIntosh was on the bench just so Pools Camp could play against Chicago Fire 2 today. And I just got home from that game, actually, and Pools Camp played really well. Uh, they gave up three goals. Two of them were penalty kicks, which, you know, those are tough to stop no matter who you are, unless I guess you're Tim Amelia. But I don't think he probably goes back to him, but I think John's been playing really well. And if anybody deserves a chance, it's probably him. But Melia kind of stood on his head the rest of the game, so he probably gets a pass. That'd be my guess. Okay. And I think right now Melia is probably the better goalkeeper overall, and you would expect him not to make the mistake he made giving up the penalty kick. So maybe he got it out of his system and he'll be, you know, ice cold. Like, what is it? Ice water in your veins down the he'll He'll save everything.
1: Oh, I've never heard that. I feel like Tamilia has one controversial play every year, every season. Maybe I'm just thinking back to when he body slammed whoever on Seattle or Portland. Yeah, so he's good for one like controversial thing play.
0: I think one is a little generous because I think you know he had he had a howler the other day where he passed the ball right to the other team. They didn't score, but. You know, everybody makes mistakes and he's probably still a little rusty. He was out for quite a long time, right? He missed. He's missed a huge chunk of the last couple of seasons just dealing with repeated injuries. So, I don't know. Uh, I thought he was good besides the one time he wasn't that cost them a goal. Yeah. All right. Third goal. Let's get to the weirdness. So, I don't even know how to describe this thing. Andreu Fontas is called for a handball. I've watched the replay numerous times. They really only show it from one angle. and Vermees initially said it hit his leg It hit his butt and then it hit his hand Fontes says That he did not touch the ball It did not hit his hand at all he does this thing with his hands where right after it looks like it may have hit his hand or his buttocks, it's kind of hard to tell, he he raises his hand up as to say, like, not me, not me. Always good on a, uh, a podcast that I'm holding my arms in the air as I'm talking. <laughs> Anyways, whatever the call was, uh, Ismail Elfath, the referee, blew a whistle, called a handball, gave possession of Miami. Fontas is standing there kind of arguing with Elfath, loosely holding the ball in his hand. And Sergio Busquets comes up, grabs it, puts it on the ground, plays fast, and Miami goes straight down the field and score. Rosero and Davis ran really hard to get back, but Ndenbe and Fontes were nowhere near the play, and Farias ends up sticking it into the net near post on Melia. Honestly, I thought maybe he does better on that because he had the far post help with Rosero, but what did you think of the controversial play, Sheena?
1: I wasn't a fan of it. I was honestly surprised that Miami was never offsides because he was so far ahead of the rest of sporting.
0: They didn't really show too much of the offside, but I kind of thought the same thing too. Like, is Davis keeping him on? I didn't think so. But what it could be is if Busquets hit it before Farias had crossed the midpoint line. It doesn't matter if he goes over. If he hasn't gone over the midfield line, you can be past the sporting players and it's not offside but it's when you cross the other side of that line so I remember looking at that and then saying I couldn't tell from the angle that I was looking at and then I kind of think I lost track of going back and trying to look at it from another angle so yeah he he was in in pretty quick but it might have just been that he you know he he the ball was played before he'd crossed the midpoint midfield line
1: mm, okay yeah I mean it was a weird series of events and it kind of played into I didn't really feel like the ref had control of the game a lot of the night. And this to me just kind of added into that because it seemed like if they were talking that the play shouldn't have been able to start back up. And I don't know. I also feel like I don't know enough about soccer and the rules. So maybe this is okay, but just the optics of it, like they were in mid conversation and then it's like, Fontas realized what happened and then he immediately stopped talking and started running, but he's not fast. So, of course, he wasn't going to catch up to the Miami guy.
0: Yeah. You know, I've seen this called both ways. I've seen the referee blow his whistle and pull it back and say, Hey, I'm in the middle of a conversation or you got to wait for my whistle to start play or whatever the case may be. And at other times, I've seen them let it go. So, I'm not really upset as a known referee hater on this podcast. I feel like. Was he engaging Fontas in a conversation, or was Fontas just complaining to him about the call? I think it really comes down to Fontas needs to better secure that ball. Don't hold it so loosely if you're trying to delay the restart by picking up the ball. Hold it tight. And if you get in a little tussle with Busquets when he's trying to take it away and you end up getting a yellow card, you know, whatever. Worst worst come to worst, you just deal with it. But I'm, I'm not really that upset. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having trouble... Blaming the refs when it's just seemed like Sporting KC switched off and you you can't switch off in that moment.
1: I agree with that. I mean, that wasn't the reason we lost. They weren't playing to win last night. Like they looked exhausted. I thought Peter Vermee should have put subs in sooner. Like I was saying they needed subs in like the sixtieth or sixty-fifth minute sometime in there. And I don't think he started making subs. I mean, outside of the halftime sub. Uh I don't think he started doing subs until after the 70th minute and we looked exhausted and not that anything really changed so much once the new players started coming on, but we just, we looked tired and I'm sure the humidity did not help at all, but it just, we didn't feel prepared. It honestly felt like we had been playing the same lineup in a three game stretch. Like that's equivalent to how they were playing.
0: Right. It, d- it didn't look like they had a full week's rest. And yeah. you mentioned exhaustion and, and tired and humidity. Daniel actually was asked about that after the game and he wasn't looking to make any excuses, but he just made a joke that he's like, I'm already skinny, but I think I lost 15 pounds sweating on the field. And it did like, I remember noticing before the game that Fontes was already sweaty. I think you and I actually talked about that. Like, my God, he's drenched and the game hasn't even started yet. Like how much humidity is there? You know, I talked to some of the sporting KC PR people at the SKC two game today, and they were saying, while it was really humid, that there have definitely been more humid games than they've played in this season. So they weren't really wanting to blame it on that. And I think that's fair because you know what they say, both teams are playing in the same conditions. Miami had to deal with it as well. Miami, their depth was just crushed by all these guys being away on international duty. So I, I'm I'm finding it tough to make excuses for them. I they just need to be better. They, just need they to be weren't better.
1: prepared. I mean they weren't prepared and it showed I don't know if they had the mindset that like Messi's not there. There's eight guys on international duty. Like we got this, but I I don't know. They just they didn't look good, and they really hurt their chances. And we really needed that win, and or at least a draw would have helped. But losing all three points is pretty. I don't want to say it's the nail in the coffin, but it feels like we're almost there
0: it's not the final nail but it's another nail right like i was thinking about that uh you know we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at the first 10 games the season go the season was screwed here and we were kind of saying it way back then right you can't go 10 games without winning getting only three draws like zero seven and three is a brutal start but then they played so good starting in like may june That, you know, they gave you hope, which is what do they say on Ted Lasso? It's the hope that kills you. So (laughs) that hope is going to get us. I think we're probably going to look back at this Miami game if we get really close to sporting making the playoffs and say, yeah, that those points were really critical that they gave away. And speaking of hope, they gave us a little hope in the game because Polito scored his 13th goal. Eric Tommy, by the way, got an assist for tripping over the ball and leaving the ball for Polito to take it. So kind of wild. 78th minute, they scored, and I was like, "All right, man, this is the opening they need." I don't know if you remember, Sheen, I said to you right before the goal, I was like, "They need to score soon because they need to score twice. So if they can get one, they'll have plenty of time to get another." But the you know the third one just never came, and I think that you know those were those were points that were left on the table. If they'd have pulled out a draw, it might have felt more like a win than it typically would. You know, usually you go, "Ah, oh, draw." Not good enough, but draws on the road are pretty decent results. Now they got to win some games on the road because they've dropped too many points.
1: And I think it isn't a good chunk of the remaining games on the road. I know they're going to Minnesota. They have St. Louis again. I don't know if there's any other uh, away games. I know they have at least two or three home games.
0: They do have quite a few road games left, so you are not wrong in that there's plenty of road games still to be played. Uh, They have six games remaining, half and half, half at home, half on the road. So they got Nashville, Houston, and Minnesota at home, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Real Salt Lake on the road. They are historically really bad at Salt Lake on the road, so that's a tough one. Um, St. Louis, obviously, they've only ever played there once, and they lost, so it's feeling. Pretty bleak. I don't know. Uh, I mentioned they dropped more points. Did you know, Sheena? They have dropped twenty points from a leading position this season. Meaning they'd have twenty more points if they'd have held on to all those leads. That would be enough for them to be in first place above St. Louis. Obviously, you're not going to hold on to all of them, but they have the most drop points of the entire any team in Major League Soccer. It's bad.
1: This doesn't surprise me. I think. I think the beginning of the season just made it really hard for us to recover and then we got on a good stretch and then we've just been really inconsistent since i mean through the whole summer so i'm not surprised by that
0: yeah it goes back to those first 10 games right if they weren't abysmal during the first 10 games you could have a little up and down play like they're they're still playing pretty well they scored a lot of goals since they started scoring goals they weren't scoring any goals at the beginning (laughs) but it's just you know it's all adding up it's too little too late So a couple of the things happened in the game that I wanted to kind of mention and kind of get your thoughts on. We had this weird situation in stoppage time where Jordi Alba apparently struck a fourth official. They never showed a replay. I never saw anything on the broadcast. But the fourth official is telling the center ref, hey, he struck him. And I went back and looked. And the ball goes into the Miami goalkeeper's hands calendar at the 91st minute exactly, like on the dot. And they don't restart play for almost two full minutes, just seconds away from the full two minutes. So, anyways, Alba gets a yellow for it. If you hit a ref, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a red card. Like I, maybe I, maybe they changed the rules on me, and I don't know. But then, in stoppage time, they only added about a minute and twenty seconds, give or take. So. Obviously, that extra 40 seconds is not the reason that they lost the game. I'm not trying to say that's the reason they lost. I defended the referee in other situations, but it's little things like that that sort of drive me nuts. Like, you stop play for two minutes, put two more minutes on. And Miami's screaming to blow the whistle. The players are all screaming to blow the whistle. Don't give in to that pressure. Add on the appropriate amount of time. The play was stopped because of Miami committing a thing. It almost encourages you to do nonsense in stoppage time if the time isn't going to be added back on.
1: It seems like if he really did hit the rough, he should have been ejected from the game. He should have got a red card. So I would be curious to find out the reason why he didn't get one. It, I know we always say I'm a conspiracy theorist when it comes to soccer, only, only soccer for the record. But I, it, to me, it just feels like, and I think I tweeted this last night. Like it, it's another storyline for Miami that they were able to go in and win a game without Messi. And so it, I don't want to say it's like the refs were in cahoots with it because I don't know that that's necessarily it, but it just adds to the storyline. And so it, it is annoying. They didn't get the full two minutes back. And I I think if it was the other way around, Miami would be upset. Like, I'm with you. I just want things to be fair.
0: Uh, That's kind of where I come down. I'm, again, I'm not going to blame anything on this. You know, I think I told you this, Sheena, I always listen to the show, Pardon the Interruption. I used to watch it on TV, but now I just listen to it as a podcast every day. And never in my life have I heard them mention Sporting KC. And in the like their little breakdown at the big finish at the end of the show. They mention Miami playing Sporting KC without Messi, and they're both like, yeah, Messi, they're going to lose. And I was like, of course they mention Sporting, and then they go and screw it up. But yeah, it's just another story in the lore. And I made a guarantee on this podcast that Miami wouldn't win MLS Cup. We might look back at it if they sneak into the playoffs by one or two points, as these are points on the table that Sporting gave them, that they shouldn't have given them.
1: Because I think they were saying on the broadcast, if they won, they would be six points out of a playoff spot, five or six points out of making the playoffs. So,
0: Yeah, I'm looking right now, they're six points out and they still have two games in hand. So if they win both those games, then technically they're right there. They're in that last play-in game. Now they'd have a heck of a challenge, even if they get in there, because... What's gonna happen is they'd have to do the play in game, win, then go on the road to the number one seed Cincinnati, who played them really tight in I think it was the US Open Cup when they mm-hmm. played each other. So I don't know. I, I still I'm I'm gonna stand by my guarantee that they're not gonna win MLS Cup, but I'm definitely feeling a little more nervous because this is the game they were supposed to lose. Dang it, sporting KC. Why why do you gotta do this to us?
1: What do you think the issues were? Uh, I'm pretty sure somebody asked this on Twitter too to us, but like what, what is the reason you think they lost? Do you think it's because of the weather or just we were tired?
0: I think the humidity definitely played a part in the weather. But again, both teams are playing in that. There was a moment when the second goal happened. I was back watching the replay and Danny Rosero kicks the ball out for a throw in. And I I don't hate that play Like People were like, oh, he should have played it back to melia and Milia could have played it long He was under a lot of pressure, he could have made a bad Pass, like Miami was pressing He kicks it out, and then what you're supposed To do with that is get organized defensively But the midfield didn't Really come back, like Felipe Gutierrez Is just like walking back, and I bet He knew he was coming off at halftime, I bet the plan Was to put Rodoy on at the half, just like in the prior Game, and He doesn't really get back into the play, which that has a cascading effect, right? If you're not doing the things—I don't want to blame this whole thing on Felipe. He had a good play earlier in the game. He had several good—he had a nutmeg that was beautiful at one point in the game. But that exhaustion, right? you got to stay keyed in. you got to stay turned on for the whole time you're playing. And it's just mental lapses, those little moments. So that's what I would chalk it up to. And, man, Miami, just riding high, finishing everything. Campania. Two goals. Oh, this guy, he's killing us. So that's annoying. That's my thought.
1: I'm over Miami. I was over Messi, and now I'm also over Miami. (laughs)
0: Well, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about them because, man, they, I mean, imagine next year, uh, presumably Messi will play again next year, you know, win, lose, whatever happens this year. And if they don't have to dig out of such a hole, you know, they're, they're always going to have a chance with a guy like him, the gravity that Messi has where he pulls all these players to him, but for them to win without him. Yeah, we're going to look back at this and say, this was a pivotal moment, maybe for both teams.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, so. Uh, My kind of like final thoughts I had on this. Oh, and actually I have a question for you too. I'll work this in here. So I just think it's a missed opportunity. Sporting, you know, they have basically all their starters. It's the same lineup that started the week before Johnny Russell manages to keep being questionable, but keep playing and, and playing pretty well. And, Sporting doesn't capitalize. Uh, Portland passed Sporting with this result. So Sporting have actually fallen to 12th place with this loss. Boo. Portland beat LAFC. Man, LAFC, what's going on over there? Uh, That's it. Sporting are still just two points out of the playoffs, which is insane. But Dallas is the team they're chasing, and Dallas has two games in hand on them. So it seems unlikely. They're five points behind eighth place San Jose. So missed opportunities. The thing I wanted to bring up is... Willie Agata and Alan Polito. I don't know, and I didn't look it up. I'm really bad about this. I don't think they've ever played together at the same time, but last night they subbed Willie into the game. He came in and played striker, and then what it looked like to me was Willie was saying, Alan, you play underneath me, be like a second striker. And Tommy kind of moved wide left. That said, a little bit later when Polito scored the goal, he came in from wide left. So it seemed to be like a pretty fluid situation. But I'm kind of hoping we see more Polito and Agata together. Uh, if you're not saving Polito, like you're not subbing him off for one reason or another. I don't mind the idea of seeing them together and seeing if they can combine. And I mean, a goal happened, even though Agata wasn't technically part of it. He might have had a run that pulled defenders away. You never know. So I thought that was interesting. Did you have any, you notice anything about that, Gina? I didn't. <laughs>
1: Sorry, right. I didn't. L-
0: lovely analysis. All right. <laughs> any other thoughts from the game before we take a quick break?
1: Nope, I'm done talking about it.
0: All right. So let's take a break. We'll be back with more For the Glory. KC. And we are back. All right. So I told you I'd tell you about this. Gotti Kinda, Peter Vermees, Israel. Uh, kind of controversy going on. So y'all probably know, Gotti Kinda missed the last two games before this, and then he was called up for international duty. I mentioned on last week's pod that he'd been called up, but it, nothing had been officially put out by the team. Well, apparently the reason was, is because according to Peter, Gotti can't even make a full sprint down the field. So they were wanting him not to take the call up because he's injured and he should just rest and stay home with the team doctors, rehab, and then work to be back. But I saw an Instagram story early in the week, with Gadi Kenda with his feet up at JFK Airport in New York, and I was like, well, that only means one thing. He's heading to Israel. When the press got a chance to ask Peter about it, he had a pretty long quote. I'm going to read this. This is courtesy of Daniel Spray, the KC star, uh, about kind of like this whole situation. So Vermees says, quote, I wasn't comfortable with it at all. I'm not happy with the situation at all. I'm actually very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in the Israel Federation. I'm also disappointed with Gotti at the time. I'm disappointed because he was injured. He was unable to practice on the Friday before the St. Louis game. Our doctors are more than capable enough, breaking in on the quote. Are they? Because there's always guys getting hurt. Okay, going back to the quote, our medical staff is more than capable enough to make an assessment and say where a player is. I think we have proven that the right thing, but we do the right thing by our guys all the time. This wasn't some kind of dupe to the Israel national team. It was nothing to do with that. We wanted to make sure that the player was right, and he wasn't. He had a hard time just making a normal run on the field. And so I'm not happy with it at all. But as I said before, the guys that are here, The guys that are available are the guys that are going to play, and the guys that understand what's in front of them, those are the guys that we're going to go into the game with, end quote. What do you think, Sheena?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty wild statement that he had. It seems like he is mad with the fact that Kenda went to Israel, and then, of course, he didn't play. It just feels like... I guess I don't, I didn't realize he had such a severe injury.
0: It wasn't supposed to be severe because if you'll remember, I ran into Gotti on the elevator, like the Saturday, that first game that he missed the San Jose game. And he said, Oh, I'll be back next week, which would have been the St. Louis game. And then we asked Peter in the post game press conference. And he said the same thing. Oh yeah, he'll be back next week. And then Kind of just like everything with sporting, what looks like, oh, it's a nothing injury. It had just happened a couple of days before. Here it is lingering, right? He's now missed three games. Well, one was technically for international duty, but I don't know. Like, w- what is going on with this team? Now, Gotti's coming off a really severe injury. Maybe they're just trying to take it easy, be careful with him, whatever the case is. What's not in that quote, but is in another part of the uh, interview there with Vermees, is that... Israel's doctors wanted to check him out. The Israeli national team, they wanted to look like they didn't trust in sporting's doctors to do a good job, which I mean, we question the doctors sometimes because, you know, Polito's out all the time, or he had been until this season. Kinda in the past Felipe has missed an entire season. Lots of guys with like injuries that look like they're not that severe at first, and then they linger for a really long time. So I don't know what's going on, but I feel like it's a bad it's a bad look, right? That he's kind of calling out. He, he did go back and kind of retract a little bit and said he's more upset with the national team than he is with Gotti, but, you know, I get it from Gotti's perspective. Maybe if he turns down the call-up, he doesn't get called up next time. This is his first call-up since his big injury, so maybe he's worried about not being in the national team setup.
1: Do you think there could be something more to the story? Like, do you think that Vermees could be, I don't want to say mad, because he clarified that he's not really mad with Kenda. But do you think initially, like, he wants to put some of that blame? Like, is there something more going on, do you think?
0: I have no inside knowledge, but my gut tells me that he probably said, hey, Gotti, we'd like you to stay here and stay with our doctors. But Gotti took the call anyways. But, you know, he's got his own motivations. We haven't had a chance to talk to Gotti since any of this stuff happened, because he's already gone. So... We'll see if we get a chance to talk to him afterwards. The only way we'll really get a chance to is in a game in the locker room or if he has a really good game and he is at the podium after the match.
1: Is he still in Israel or is he back? Like, where is he currently?
0: Yeah, so he should be back in time for the next game. But I don't know... Here, I'll look really fast. I was going to say, I think they have another game this week. Yeah, they have a game on Tuesday against Belarus on the 12th. And then, yeah, then he would be able to return after that. So I don't know if they'll release him early now that their doctors have had a chance to look at him. What's weird is he sat on the bench for the Israel game, but he was hurt and supposedly couldn't play. So I don't know if it was just a, a decoy situation or you just got to list them on the bench. They didn't have enough players or to, to fill out their bench. So they just put him so he can be down there and kind of be in the experience versus sitting like in a press box or a, a suite or whatever.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: What I wonder about is, does this affect Gotti's relationship with the team? This is a contract year for him. There's only six games left to go in the season. And then his contract is up. And he can just leave. Now, he won't be an MLS free agent because you have to have like five years of MLS experience to be a free agent. This is, I think, his fourth season. So – he could go to another team. He could technically go through if Sporting doesn't make him an offer, which I assume they probably will. He's been really good when he's been healthy. Um, then he could go through things like the re-entry draft, and I won't get into all the weird MLS rules that exist. But do you think that this might affect Gotti's long-term relationship with the team, that he might turn down a contract with them because of whatever controversy is going on here?
1: I don't know. I, I'm i not really sure, but... I wonder if in general, when they start looking at the roster going into next season and having to make those tough decisions, if they start taking into consideration those injury prone players and decide not to keep them because it's been a a season full of injuries. So to me, it's like You need to do something different in the next season because really, I mean, I think if there's another loss, like that might be the nail in the coffin for this season. So then you want to start building towards next season. And that to me, if I were a coach, that would be one of the things I would look at. He has played good, but I mean, has he played enough games to, has he had any goals this season? I'm trying to think. I can't think of any.
0: Yeah, yeah. He scored this season. Now, he's obviously played a limited amount of minutes in terms of coming back from this injury. He was really late getting back into it, right? He was thought to be back, I want to say, like a month before he actually came back. What intrigues me is that he would go and be, you know, he's a designated player right now. But it's not because of his salary. He doesn't make an incredible, I mean, he makes like 900K or something. It's not like nothing. Pay me 900K, please. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but in terms of MLS, um, he, he only would be a designated player if he makes, it's like just short of 1.8 million. It's like 1.7 something million dollars. So unless he gets a massive raise, he wouldn't be a DP, which means he free up a designated player spot, presuming that, you know, Polito is still taking up one if he resigns for that 4.4 million a year that he's rumored to be getting. And then Tommy's in the other, then you free up a spot that you could go spend on, you know, whatever thing that you think is most important, whether it's the right wing of the future or of the now or the, or a center back or whatever you want, you'd have the flexibility to go do that. Uh, for the record, Gotti has two goals, four assists. I was looking while I was filling there. So I would want him back personally. I
1: am indifferent I guess so' Inter-
0: interesting okay I'm, I like oh. him but
1: I feel like he's injured a lot so I'm just kind of over all the injuries in Kansas City soccer like it's not I'm just to remember
0: like he missed all of last season. He missed all of twenty twenty two. But like, yeah. I don't remember him really being hurt before that, right? And he got late back from the injury this year, but that was the same injury.
1: I don't know. I'm just over injuries. So
0: yeah, me too. Yeah, we'll we'll do an off season podcast at some point and kind of look at breaking down the roster and who stays and who goes. What I always find interesting is that. People are unhappy with the team as a whole, the performance of the team, but they really love particular players. And if you look at this roster, it's basically full. There's like 30, there's actually 31 players because Courtney Ford is on like season engine injury list. So, depending on who they decide to keep or not keep, and what flexibility they have in terms of budget, like some people obviously have to go if you want to change things. But then I think when you look at it it's gonna be some hard choices and there's gonna be you're gonna lose some fan favorite popular people if you really want to rebuild and obviously i think two bad years in a row like maybe you got to look to rebuild it's hard to say because they are so good when they're healthy but they just can't seem to stay healthy to your point
1: yeah uh they definitely need to rebuild i do think it'll be i don't know who's up like who could possibly be cut but that's a podcast for another time but I do think they need to rebuild you've had two bad seasons, and to me, this next season the if there's a third year of bad seasons, we know Peter Vermese isn't getting fired after this season, but if we have another bad season, like something has to change and to me if if it were me and I was Peter Vermese, I would be looking at it like this is a do or die situation because if I die again with this team. Like I may not be the coach going forward. So.
0: Yeah, the seat has to be incredibly hot if he misses the playoffs back to back years, because as we've been saying, or I kind of stopped saying it because it got so bad. But every team makes the playoffs right. Nine out of 14 teams. That's obviously not every team. But the bar is so low to get in. The fact that they might not get in. It's pretty Pretty not. uh, It's bad. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah, pretty and not. It's bad. Really good grammar there from me. Now, I have a a listener question here for us that I think ties perfectly into this conversation. So I'll see if we just want to sneak it in here. This is from Alan Smith. No relation, even though this is an empathism pod at a Smith SKC on Twitter, if y'all want to follow Alan. He just said simply, What needs to change? And I am assuming he's talking about Sporting KC, but technically the tweet he replied to had both teams in it. So, Sheena, what needs to change in Kansas City soccer? Broad question.
1: We need to have players that aren't injured. I think that is the the root of the cause is there's a lot of injury, especially with KC Current. I feel like half of their team has been on the injury list this season. So, they need to find players who aren't getting in, who aren't being signed that are injured because that was Casey Curran's problem as they signed some players that came in to the team with an injury but i think they need to also take a look at what the st- the medical staff is doing like why are they should be doing an in-depth analysis of like why are so many players getting injured and it would be interesting to compare uh, our injuries on Casey Curran and sporting Kansas City versus other teams in both leagues because maybe this is quite common and we just don't realize it because we're so so hyper focused on Kansas City teams we're not really looking at other teams and comparing what kind of injuries they've had so to me it it all is tied to injuries is what needs to be fixed
0: yeah well, that seems like a reasonable take uh, I will tell you I don't pay enough attention to the other NWSL teams for sure. But I definitely know there are MLS teams that have dealt with some pretty bad injuries. But when you look at it historically, when your best players are hurt, your designated players, your top end, highest paid guys, that tends to have a more outsized effect on you. And that was mostly what was happening at the beginning of the season, right? No Polito for a good chunk of it, no Gotti Kinda, And then once they've had those players, they've been a lot better. So... They have had other injuries, they've had other old guys, so maybe what needs to change is stop signing old people, maybe get some younger players when you make your next moves. No offense, but this is like the second oldest team in the league, now granted... Nashville is the oldest and they have a quite good record, but they're a Hani Mukhtar injury away from being terrible. Like if he's essentially their Alan Polito, if he goes down, he's not playing the same position, but the idea still stands. I think their offense would fall apart because as Hani goes, so goes Nashville. And that seems to be sporting, right? Polito's playing well, 13 goals. He's I think he's got like 11 goals in 12 games or something crazy in this run. Like, oh, man, he is just, you know, ripping things to shred. So that'd be my first thing. The other thing, which I'll say ties perfectly as a transition to the next topic I want to hit is the KC current need to name a permanent coach. I've said that on this podcast before. I won't beat that to death, but they've been eliminated from the challenge cup. I say, what are we waiting for? If you want Caroline where Bloom to be the coach, make her the coach so she can put her plans in place and start planning for next year. She actually did an interview with my colleague, Fad Bell. Uh, if you go search Casey Soccer Journal, anywhere you get your podcast, it'll show up in that feed uh at, along with all the other podcasts they do, so many podcasts. But he does an interview with her. She came across really well. She seems to have a great soccer mind. I think that she's probably not going to get to keep the job, but if it's her, if it's Ladco, if it's somebody else, get it done, get moving on it. Don't wait until the off season. So that's my, what I think needs to change for the current.
1: I would agree with that. It seems like at this point, a decision should be made. And if they want to keep her, it would be really stupid because they're definitely, I think the nail is in the coffin for Casey current. So I feel like if you're going to make changes, you should do it now, Rather that's hiring Caroline as the coach or announcing somebody else. I guess maybe the only reason you couldn't announce someone is if they're currently a coach on a team and they're going into the postseason, right? Like you probably would have to wait for that. So that would be the only reason. But yeah, I think the sooner you start rebuilding this team, the better, because I'm right with saying like they're done, like they're not making the playoffs. Right.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, they're not officially done because there are a few games left. I think they have four games left, but they'd have to win them all and get help. And that just, I mean, I don't think they've only won like six games all season. So to win four in a row and get everything else to go right seems unlikely. So let's talk about the current. They played the North Carolina Courage in the semifinals of the Challenge Cup last Wednesday It was honestly a pretty tough game to watch. Uh, They had 72% completion of their passes, just 35% possession of the ball. And I don't think they even registered a shot on on goal in the first half. It was, or maybe not even a shot at all. It was not good. It was a really hard game to watch. They had a few moments where it looked like they might score and then they didn't. And then in stoppage time, when they're clearly playing for penalty kicks, they gave up like a 95th or 6th minute goal. Super, super late. North Carolina eliminates them. I was just sitting there kind of stunned in the press box, just staring straight ahead. And then uh, North Carolina did go on to win the entire Challenge Cup. So, hey, we lost to the champions. I guess there's that. Sheena, uh, I believe you missed the current game again. Super fan? Super casual fan?
1: I did miss the game because our kiddo had soccer practice, and then I had to come home and make dinner and get her all ready for bed. So... Did not watch the game but it doesn't sound You're like not a I psycho missed like out. me
0: and nope. stayed up till midnight to rewatch the game?
1: No, did you do that?
0: No, no, I wouldn't. I, that was a miserable game, but I have done oh. that before <laughs> because Paramount Plus is weird. Actually, it wasn't on Paramount Plus. It was on CBS, so you could have CBS Sports Network. You could have totally watched that whenever, but it doesn't matter. Uh it was it was a terrible game and it was hard to watch.
1: I feel like my problem with KC Current is they're playing so bad right now. I'm just not engaged. I don't have that desire to want to watch it. And I get Sporting is not playing great either right now. But I feel like there's more. I had
0: one two in a row before. It's true.
1: But I feel like there's more potential for them than there is Casey Current. And I've been a fan of Sporting longer than Casey Current. So I just have a more more uh i don't know what the word is more invested in them invested yeah i couldn't think of the word
0: yeah i think that's fair this honestly this kind of reminds me of the first season of the current because in the first season they were the worst team in the league and right now they're at the bottom of the table and it's weird because this team is far far more talented than that team it's got seems seemingly a better setup all the way around but they just cannot execute on their promise and. It is tough to pay attention. There were some people saying, "You're still watching all these Sporting KC games when they when they lost on Saturday." And I was like, "Yeah, of course I am. I'm a sicko. I'm I'm in for it all. Like I'm going to try to watch them all." But that first KC Current season when they were just KC Woso. I definitely checked out and didn't watch all the games. They were hard to watch though, too. It was like hard to like always get access to the games, but now I'm pretty committed. I have all the subscription services necessary to watch whatever game that uh, I need to track down.
1: And you have a podcast, so you're a sicko and have to watch it just for podcasting purposes. You are the, the soccer, Kansas city soccer guru of the show.
0: Of this so, show, yes, I don't want to take this credit show. for all of Kansas City soccer. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I said this show.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I was thinking about that today when I was at the Sporting KC two game, and we'll transition to that game here because uh, I was thinking, man, there's there's a decent amount of people that came out to this game, and. I, People that I'd seen at the other game that we went to, remember when we were in Lawrence, I recognized some of the same people, like they're wearing the same jerseys and, you know, the same thing. A lot of them, I think, are like wives, spouses, girlfriends, parents, things like that. So there's an element of that going on there. But I was like, man, these people are hardcore. I was like, do they go to all the Sporting KC games, too? And they're putting me to shame over here because I don't get to enough SKC2 games. But I'd go to a mall if Sheena would let me, but I feel like yeah, well, you don't really want me to do that. Would that be a fair assessment, Sheena?
1: Well, you already go to almost all the KC Current and Sporting Kansas City OG games. So it feels like the twos and the twos that play further. I mean, now they're at Swope Park, so it's only like a half hour as opposed to an hour. So I don't... We got to have a life outside of soccer. I know that's hard to believe. And I know it's not something you agree with in life. But
0: is this a bad time to ask you if I can go to some SKC U19 (sighs) games at Swope Soccer Village?
1: What? When are those?
0: (laughs) Uh, They're playing their season right now. Oh, actually, quick shout. They beat the Tulsa Athletic. Remember, I told you they went into the league, the UPSL, where the Tulsa Athletic played the team that sporting played in the U.S. Open Cup. They beat them this past week, three to one so cool shout out skcu 19s those are the players that are going to be on the on skc2 and then maybe on the first team one day i don't if know if y'all could well- see the look on sheena's <laughs> face right now it's like are you serious are you really asking me to watch more soccer i'm like half kidding but i mean i would go to some games don't get me wrong we'll see how it goes i'm sure out. So- you
1: would <laughs>
0: Let's talk about Sporting KC2. So they had an up and down week. They Last weekend, we were recording the podcast and the game started immediately after we recorded. They won 5-1 to one over the LA Galaxy 2 and they clinched a playoff spot. Today, against Chicago Fire 2, they were up 2-0 early. And I was like, all right, this thing's going to be a blowout. They look great. And then they just let their foot off the accelerator because... Chicago got a PK right before the half. Jahan Rad, kind of a kind of a tough call. I thought he positioned his body well, but he did kind of sort of body check the Chicago player, I guess. Benny did not agree with the penalty when I asked him after the game. He thought it was soft. Uh, so they scored right before the half. Second half starts. Another penalty kick is given up, this time by a naughty clerk. And I think this was a really soft PK. He kind of has his arms out a little bit, but he doesn't grab him, doesn't really pull him. Nothing happens. The player just flops to the ground and the ref buys it and gives a penalty. It's two to two. And then Chicago scores a third to get ahead. And honestly, SKC2 never looked like they were going to get another goal and level that thing out. Benny was, he said, he said something like the ref sucked but that's not why we lost we lost because we didn't play our game we didn't have any energy he's like I don't know what's wrong we're gonna go back we're gonna look at the tape Uh, he's so candid I love talking to Benny I wish I got to talk to him more which is an argument to go to more SKC2 games just so I can get some more Benny time but it was a it was a delight getting to see him Uh, it would have been more delightful if SKC2 could have like you know won and not played like hot garbage for the last I don't know half or more of the game
1: did you see his kids at the game? Now that we know what his kids look like? I mean you already knew okay. from your Instagram stalking. I don't, stalking. Wanna,
0: I don't be a stalker, but yeah, I definitely saw his wife and <laughs> the same two kids that we that sat with us at the game. <laughs> The other day so yes uh, i mm-hmm. did and she was she's wearing a benny failhaber show shirt i definitely wanted to go up and say hi and introduce myself but i was like this is weird don't be weird chad so i i didn't and i just let her peacefully enjoy the soccer match wait
1: the kid was wearing the benny failhaber no, no, the shirt wife, or the, the, wife. the wife oh okay yeah. i was okay, like how do i fun. get my
0: hands on a benny failhaber show? i probably got to be married to benny so this is out i'm just not going to be able to get that t-shirt <laughs> Shucks, shucks. That's what you got for <laughs> yeah. me. Shucks. Yeah. All right, we do have a question uh, that we were asked about SKC2. So let's put that in right here. Uh, this is from Allie at Jalen O is hotter. Oh, that's fun oh. Uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't even realize what the username was so I went to read it. Oh, I uh, wonder said, what Jalen looks SKC2?
1: like.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Or Jalen O. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> anyways, uh, <laughs> thoughts on SKC2 and who you feel can help the first team besides Benny and Ike, which is like a low key, like, should they be the coaches of the first team? So there are a lot of players, I think, on SKC2 that are on the edge of being talented enough to come up and, and play for the first team. Calvadal has 11 goals on the season. He's like really big. Uh, he played in the Spanish second division, I believe. He's the striker. That he'd be like kind of third on the depth chart, I would assume, behind Polito and Agata, if that's how things go. By the way, there was a rumor this week that Agata, there was like a transfer fee offer for him for like millions of dollars that Sporting turned down. I couldn't find anything to substantiate it other than the one tweet that said the one thing about it. But I was like, mm, maybe, but they supposedly turned it down because they wanted $3 million and they didn't get $3 million offered, so. That's a thing. So Palvidal, he'd be one. He was playing really, really good. He scored like, I don't want to say, like seven games in a row, something like that at one point. But then he got hurt, and he hasn't quite been himself since he's been back. I think he has one goal since he returned. Another guy who's been filling in for Palvidal is Alenis Vargas. He was a winger, but he moved to striker, and he scored, I want to say six goals, something like that, on the season. He had a hat trick in one game. Actually, that game, Sheena, that we went to that was – rained out for like an hour plus And then we left and I caught the rest of it on the internet later. That one, oh, yeah. uh, he scored a hat trick in. So you saw two of his goals. Uh, he is actually on loan right now from another team. So they would have to buy him. I assume they have a purchase option in that deal. Then there's a bunch of guys that are kind of on the fringe. I got to speak with Lucas Rosa after the game. He's the right back. Remember we've talked about him before. He was the, he's a 25 year old rookie. He said he tore his ACL twice in college. And he moved to right back at his last season of college. I got to ask him about this. And I kind of wonder if the team were to part ways with Graham Zusi. Don't get mad at me, y'all. But if they were to, Sheena's got a sad lip on the camera right now. If they were to part ways with Graham Zussi, I think Rosa would be like kind of a veteran presence, even though technically he's played less pro minutes than Jake Davis and Caden Beer. Um, to bring him on and have him be kind of a fringe player. He was a midfielder before he got moved to right back in college. He's a really good attacking player. He scored a really beautiful free kick in this game today. Um those are the names that are jumping out at me the most there's some guys that are kind of on the edge that I'd like to spend see spend more time with the twos sebastian cruz maybe natty clark he's technically not even a professional yet guys like that and then there's a bunch of academy kids coming up that you know you never know they might emerge and and be good ethan bryant i left out ethan bryant he'd be a good shout he played in that tulsa athletic game to bring this conversation full circle he played in the u.s open cup for sporting and looked pretty darn good they paid a fee to get him to bring him to their skc 2 so he's a guy that kind of on that edge as well He's in the midfield though, which is a really crowded spot for Sporting. So they'd have to move on from some of these old guys like Felipe Gutierrez and Roger Espinosa to clear room. But I do want the team to get younger, so I'm open to that. China SKC two thoughts. I know you're a big follower of the twos. You you catch all their matches.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I I have no thoughts on it. <laughs>
0: All right. I do remember
1: Ethan Bryan because I did like in one of the episodes. You remember I did a five minute like bio on him?
0: I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go crawling, y'all. Digital crawl time. So we got a couple quick stories and we're going to get you out of here. I got some gross stories to start us off here. The Spanish Federation, actually, this is a good one. They finally showed some remorse for their whole handling this awful. you know, their women's national team, they win the World Cup, and then all this controversy afterwards, they fired their men's coach. This guy won the World Cup in like a little over two weeks after winning it, boom, fired uh, one of his assistants, I should have wrote down her name, she's taking over, she'll be the new coach. So a lot of assistants had resigned over all this controversy. Hopefully, this will start getting people back. Still no resolution on the Luis Robles, is yes. Alice, as far as I know. Oh, is there, there a There is,
1: yes, yes. Oh. Uh, He was on Piers Morgan, like, earlier today, and he resigned as the president of the Spanish Football Federation.
0: Oh, I've been out too long watching soccer. I missed that. All right. Yeah,
1: I thought I might be breaking that for you.
0: That was breaking news for me. All right. so Good news all around. So, all right, we can start clearing out that federation, because honestly, man, they play some beautiful soccer over there in Spain, and... Uh, if that coach wasn't a monster, that's the kind of person like tactically, not his awful you know, behavior, that I would want to see coach the current and make them a, a beautifully played team as well, because they played some pretty ugly soccer this past week and most of this season. All right. Another thing, more controversy, Bruce Arena. Do you know Bruce Arena, Sheena? He's the coach of the uh, New England, well. He was the coach of the New England Revolution and the LA Galaxy, coached the U.S. men's national team twice. He has resigned as the coach and sporting director of the revolution over, quote, inappropriate and insensitive remarks, unquote. Uh, Some of those complaints came from his assistant coach, Richie Williams. So don't know what he said. They're still supposedly we're doing an investigation, but he just came out and resigned like during the games on Saturday night. Kind of a weird time to make that announcement. But Bruce is out. He's 71. I think he's probably done. He won't be coaching. Won't be coaching in America. I guess if he wants to move overseas, find a country that's a little more lax on inappropriate behavior. I hear yeah, Spain's I, looking for coaches. I'm just kidding. That's terrible.
1: I hope that we find out what was said, because I think we're all curious to find out what was said that was so offensive that he had to resign.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to know, too. Um, I... I don't want to make excuses, but it does seem like sometimes, not all old people, but old people will sometimes say things that were okay a long time ago and that are not okay anymore, and maybe it's one of those situations. I think of my great-grandmother, who lived to be like 97, and... She was awesome. We would have really good discussions about politics. You wouldn't think that someone that far apart in age would get along so well on politics. But then she would say some stuff where I'm like, oh grandma, no, we we can't say that. We don't we cannot say those things. And it would like really throw me off. So not to I don't want to slander my great grandma here. All right. A couple more items from the crawl. Sheena. I know you like when I give you an annual, an annual, a weekly Lionel Messi update. So we left the podcast last week. She's scowling at me. And they were playing LAFC. Well, they beat LAFC. Three to one. Man, they just can't be beat. Miami, they're so good. I mentioned already on the show the U.S. men's national team. They won three to nothing on Saturday against Uzbekistan. Honestly, they look like garbage. They scored a goal really early, and they looked pretty good. Matt Turner stood on his head to keep Uzbekistan from scoring, and they scored two really late goals. So it's the first game where Greg Berhalter was back in charge. Gio Reyna is hurt; he wasn't able to be called up. They're missing a few other players as well. Maybe that's what it is. I'd like to see a beat a team like Uzbekistan a little better than that. But they uh, they didn't. Last thing. Sheena said we have a new review of the podcast. So let's read that now in the digital crawl. And then we'll tell you what games to check out this week, y'all.
1: Okay. So this is from at Aiden Ramsey 5. They put it at the end because it's a different name than what their Apple ID is. But anyways, they called this the best pod. Thank you for making such an amazing podcast. I've been listening since the start of the season, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate Chad and Sheena's work and dedication to this show. Of the four SKC podcasts I listen to, "For the Glory is by far my favorite. I love listening to your ideas and playful banter and your podcasts before any others. Again, thank you for your dedication. I really hope you guys continue to make podcasts over the off season and next season. You guys are the best. Thank you for letting me listen to you each week. That was a really sweet one. And I read that Chad. I told Chad right before we recorded, there was a really nice review. So Chad, what are your thoughts?
0: I love it. I think I know Aiden from Twitter. I'm pretty sure he follows me. I I try to interact with people on Twitter. I don't respond to everybody on Twitter, just because like sometimes I get a lot of messages and I'm I got to like not do soccer all the time as much as I sometimes want to. But yeah, that's really awesome. I really love that. And Sheena, if that doesn't inject energy into your veins and make (laughs) you go, yes, off-season pods, we're going to do the whole thing. I want to just do it every week and never take breaks, but we'll... We'll see how our energy level and what news exists. If y'all remember last season, sporting got eliminated very early, right? Because they didn't make the playoffs. And then there was like a month of nothing. There was no announcements of roster moves. Like nothing was happening because they were in that weird dead period. So we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully they make the playoffs and we don't have to go through one of these dead periods. We'll see. I'm
1: not feeling confident, but I know you want to do the podcast once the season's over with. So I think it'll probably at least be happening a couple times a month if not weekly like chad would like because he's crazy and definitely well, next season, shorter. you know they don't
0: have to be as long there's less it's to talk
1: true about. it's true yeah. i was trying to make this I, a shorter
0: one and here we are over an hour like we always are. i know so Sheena. I will tell you I think the off season is actually when we and places like the KC Soccer Journal are needed the most everybody's covering the team during the season like he just said there's all these podcasts right but I want to be doing it during the offseason. What's going on with the transaction? What moves are out there? What? Let me explain these boring MLS rules and try to explain it in a not boring way. My real job, I teach people how to be claims adjusters for an insurance company. And I always say, yeah, I get it. Insurance isn't exciting, but let's have fun, guys. Let's have fun. And I, I try to bring the energy when I teach. So, um, all right. Let's talk about the schedule that's coming up. U.S. men's national team back in action on Tuesday. Burhalter has another chance here. They're playing Oman. It's at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, Tuesday the 12th. Sporting KC are on the road next weekend at Minnesota United, Saturday, September 16th, 7.30 p.m., and then starting before that game is over, the KC Current need to win them all at the San Diego Wave at 9 p.m. SKC 2 back in action also at Minnesota United 2. I love it. They actually have both Minnesota teams in the same weekend. That makes like almost too much. sense. Oh my goodness, that's on Sunday, (laughs) September seventeenth at 5pm. That's on Apple TV. I will say I asked the PR person for SKCT, like what's going on? Why aren't the schedules more in line? And it was just uh, a bit of a mess, I guess this year, because last year, the twos and the ones played each other on the same weekend a lot. And that did not happen as much this year, the Leagues Cup, I guess, screwed some stuff up. So we'll see. Hopefully they get that back in line a little better. But if you've made it this far, and you're a psycho like us subscribe to the podcast <laughs> y'all <laughs> for the glory kc wherever you get the good podcast or the bad podcast i think they let us let, let them all load us all on there um just search that for the glory kc give us that rating and review we love your kind words or your constructive criticism or what did you call it last week sheena friendly criticism
1: friendly yeah friendly okay. criticism yeah.
0: Either way, if you don't want to write a review, you can just add us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or threads at ForTheGloryKC. You can email us, ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at play for 90 And here's Christian Leo to play us out with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody.
1: Bye.